1: When in the field, accuracy and precision count. That's why we switch our slug guns to rifle barrels, tune our arrows, and use a fish finder on the water. But why should our drive for control end there? The Tappacue line of meat probes gives an instantaneous look at the temperatures of our prized meals, both internal and the cooking chamber. Tappacue uses sturdy hardware made and assembled here in the US, along with their user-friendly, sophisticated software that connects to your smart device. Whether it's a traditional corded probe or the new cordless air probes that give you a wealth of freedom where wires would just get in the way. Adding a Tapacue meat probe can significantly help in getting to that medium rare on venison or waterfowl, ensuring your upland bird stays moist, or even charting your long cooks on a smoker. Visit tappacue.com or find the link in the show notes and use the code HUNT10, all uppercase, at checkout to save 10%. Adding a probe to your kit can make you one tap away from your queue. Dry-aged steaks used to be a steakhouse-only indulgence. An old-world charcuterie was pricey due to being imported or created at a small-batch-specific scale. Thanks to Umai Dry, their synthetic dry-aging bags and casings allow you to create these meat-crafting treats in your own kitchen. Working in tandem with your fridge, the Umai Dry bag material allows moisture and air to pass through making it possible to dry-age large cuts of steaks or roasts. Paired with their curing and seasoning kits, along with safe and easy-to-follow instructions, salamis and dry sausage are well within your grasp. Use the link in the show notes and sign up for the newsletter to receive 10% off your order. Umai Dry, helping us elevate our wild game from the home kitchen. Well hey folks beautiful afternoon folding into evening here in Michigan. I tell you what we had a chill down and things were cold but now they're warming back up. I think we've got rain in the forecast so whatever snow we had will be gone whatever ice that we had developed on those lakes will also be gone. So here we go. Another couple weeks of nothing as far as ice fishing in the plans, but that's neither here nor there folks. I am joined tonight with some fellow sportsman's empire podcasters here. We have the hosts of the Ohio outdoors podcast, also known as the O2 podcast and, uh, Paul being the host of the how to hunt Turkey podcast, gentlemen, Thank you so much for coming on. We got Andrew and we have Paul. Uh Andrew, how are things looking in your neck of the woods? Is there snow in Ohio? Well,
0: uh, at this moment, I think Paul, what was it today? But almost 60 degrees. Almost 60. Yeah.
1: It's beautiful. It
0: felt real nice. It felt like spring and it's February 8th and it's like I don't trust it, right? It's uh that false false hope, I think, but uh, Paul and I just live down the road from each other, and uh, Central Ohio is is blah, I guess. But at
2: least the sun's been out lately, so that really helps. The, the it's really thing. it's really weird. I mean, I, I walked by my kitchen window the other day, and I stopped. I'm like, what the hell's going on outside? And I, and, I, and I'm looking like out the window. I'm like, oh. The sun's out. That's the that's the issue that
1: caught my eye. The sun is out. So, yeah. That's what that's the this point we're at. Giant orb. that's like hurting <laughs> my eyes, but yet I feel good around it. Yes, that's yeah. it, man. We've, yep. We've that's had a it. pretty
0: mild winter down here. I think what well we had the the Arctic blast there right at Christmas that was mm-hmm. cold and brought a little bit of snow, and maybe one or two other times. But really, I mean, we had a lot of rain in the forecast this week, and uh, it's mild. It's real
1: mild right now. Yeah, yeah is. what has that done for either of yours winter pursuits? I know like small game has been kind of my only venture, which, you know, shoot now with all the kids into sports, like I, it's pretty much like one day of the weekend that I get to go run out in the woods with the dogs and maybe come across something. But like you said, it's just been this look kind of weather. Even the squirrels are like, yeah, we're, we ain't going outside. Yeah, I so we have that just nasty,
2: nasty, you know, Twenty degrees below zero weather right at Christmas. It froze the ponds, the lakes, the rivers, little creeks, everything. So when, I, I and this is just an idiot's perspective, Nick. So uh, forgive me. This isn't science based, but the, the the migration, the waterfowl migration for Central Ohio, it's not it's not the best, right? I mean, there's a reason they call Ohio the the armpit of the flyways, right? So everything comes across uh, Lake Erie and it just takes a hard westerly turn and heads to the central flyway or the Mississippi flyway. And we get to, you know, we have some wood ducks, but it was especially bad this year for duck hunting because I think everything froze up. They, what ducks that, that do come down, uh, you know, the central part of the state here just kept right on going. And, uh, it, it, it made it difficult for, for a duck hunter here in central Ohio. So, you know, there was, there was some of that, but, Yeah. Small game. I, you know, didn't kill any rabbits this year. I didn't do, I didn't do a ton of that, but the duck hunting, I was very upset about. So
0: yeah, Nick, I don't know what do they say. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Like I have this great idea that I'm going to get out and try new things and do different stuff. Our bow season, uh, deer season just ended a couple days ago. And, uh, a lot of times I'm, Right to the last second, trying to fill that buck tag. But to this year I I was able to do that before Thanksgiving. So I thought, oh great, I'm gonna have all this time to to try other things and go with Paul for some ducks and find some squirrels and this and that. And you know, it's it's the nature of the beast. My real job is it really starts picking up after the first of the year. I've had some other things pop up that have kept me from doing whatever. Paul is getting all giddy about turkey season coming and uh, I have to remind him that there is shed season uh, that is going to be before the turkey season Uh, so I know we don't eat those but uh, that's definitely on my radar as soon as I get past a couple things here
1: absolutely hey participation trophies even though they do sit on your shelf they are fun (laughs) to look at yeah, there's culinary value is very low in those, but I'm glad that we've got one more like good intention, Adia, that you're going to be going for those sheds. <laughs>
0: I'll tell you, so Santa Claus brought uh, a bunny to my house this year, and uh, talk about they get ornery or whatever when their their teeth, they need to gnaw and stuff. Well, I found, pulled out one of my old sheds, so Oreo is making culinary value out of that old beat-up shed I
1: had, so... Oh, well, good for Oreo. Hey, good for you to be able to share your sheds. I know when my pups get, I have to be very choosy on which sheds my, my pups chew on. Um, they haven't gone through the one that I donated to them, but it's definitely one of those, they keep eye on the shelf, and I'm like, no, no, keep your paws <laughs> off those. Those are those are my trophies there. Don't be messing with them. Yeah. That's so funny. how about you, Paul? You said the, the ducks were kind of lackluster there, um, and... And the ice isn't looking great as far as stepping on it. What's work been like for you? Has it really kind of pulled you away from the outdoors? Like, here is Sportsman. This is also the one of those times a year where it's we do have to invite ourselves back to society, that we do have to go back to our job. How, how have things looked for you this winter?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, in... In terms of, of what I do for a living, it, next week is the National Wild Turkey Federation's annual convention. So, next week is my busiest week of the year professionally. This week is the second busiest week of the year for me, uh, professionally. So, it it has it ha- it, it definitely takes away and, and takeaways the wrong the wrong word, but it it um it impacts the time that, that, that we have available and the bandwidth that, that, you know, and we all go through that. Uh, I don't mind it because it's, you know, I get to talk about turkey hunting, which is pretty cool. Or, you know, wild turkey conservation work. So I, I do enjoy that, but yeah. Um, there are, there are a lot of times, especially, you know, at the end of the year, you know, when it's normally good duck hunting here in Ohio that that I'm making calls and making visits to members and volunteers, the, of the Federation. So yes, it definitely impacts it. Uh, but, I make up for it during turkey season. So it's, uh, it all works out.
1: Well, good. Well, good. Well, Hey, speaking of those celebrations that we had early on this year, I know if you've tuned into, uh, the O2 podcast, or if you'd even joined in during our, uh, sportsman's empire deer camp episodes on how to hunt deer. Uh, you can know that Andrew went through a roller coaster of a year, uh, just with, with sightings and with close calls and just near misses and then no finds and man you want it, you want something like straight out of Homer's Iliad or Homer's uh, Odyssey like that's what Andrew went through so Andrew give us a quick like bird's eye view of your big celebration getting your buck there at Thanksgiving and tell us what was the celebration that you had with that deer. Did you make something from that deer yet or uh what was your big like yes, we finally accomplished that and then how did you celebrate that?
0: Well, Nick, you're going to hate me. Um let me just <laughs> we'll preface it with that. Uh I hunt to fill the freezer. Most of what we eat goes into ground grind uh ground meat. But leading up to that buck, I did have a roller coaster and I think at that point I had 3 does which is a good start to fill in the freezer, but I I was able to to get that buck. And when I hit him, I mean, I didn't tell anybody. I think I told my wife. I'm like, I'm not going to be in right away because something just happened. And I didn't even tell Paul until after I found him because I was that nervous that something was going to go wrong. I knew the arrow went right through, all that kind of stuff. But um, it just, I had it had to sink in. So... At that point in the year, I had told myself, like, once I got to three deer, the next one was going to go to farmers and hunters feeding the hungry. So, try to try to hold my word, right? That was, I was like, look, this is, uh, I, I got time to run it up to the butcher and drop it off, and so that's what I did with that buck. And uh, so somebody else is getting a good meal out of it, and I, I, I feel good about that, um, it's it's a little bittersweet because it was like uh, that was my first buck with a with a bow, and I think I've been at it for twelve or thirteen years now, um, but you know that's that's where that ended up.
1: Gotcha. Your celebration was donating that to other families who are in need, who need food, who need just a, a leg up and are going to a food pantry that sir, that is a that's an applause. That is a wonderful way to handle that. I'm. I didn't. I didn't realize that. Uh, that is what you did with that buck. That's. That's good on you. Yeah. Well, nice. and
0: we've got a friend, uh, Justin Ross. He's he's a buddy of ours, and he's been on our show a few times. And he he runs that uh, for part part of the state, or just the entire state, Paul. Um, the entire state. Yep. Here for that organization, and so, you know, leading up to it, it was like, if I had the ab- ability, that's what we we're going to do with it, and. Um, Thanksgiving. Uh, one of my other hobbies is kind of like, you know, fitness and exercise and diet and stuff. So, trying to get people good f- protein source instead of some of the crap that comes off the shelves. I thought it was a it was a decent way to use that box. So.
1: Well, that's an epic celebration. That's a wonderful story, Andrew. So to back up on that too, you did say that uh, your job is to fill the freezer, but that is that is. On your own accord, you said that's as far as you normally go then. The missus then takes back over uh, in the kitchen there preparing. She even prepares your uh, your wild game. She's that adventurous. She'll take it on.
0: Yeah, she's been a great sport with it all. And, I mean, she eats it. The kids eat it. Everybody eats it. Um, let me think. We started processing our own deer I think it was like 2020. It would have been 2020. It was when all the, you know, I was hitting the fan. So, uh, picked up a grinder, uh, started watching YouTube videos, sharp knives, all that kind of stuff. Um, We had just bought a house that had like a barn detached. So, makes it really nice. You got a lot of space, couple tables, all that kind of stuff. so, And she's in the physical um, therapy world. She loves the anatomy of different things. So she was right there with me, man, the first time. She's like, oh, I want to see that and see this, different muscle groups and see how they all work together and stuff. And I'm like, let's just cut this thing up, right? Um, But, you know, basically when we break a deer down, a lot of times we'll pull the rump roast out and we do the back straps, tenderloins. Um, I'm trying, trying to get that neck thing done. I still struggle with the neck thing. You and I have talked about that before. Uh, but a lot of it ends up in the in the grind pile because that's where we use it, right? Uh, we don't eat a lot of steaks or anything, regardless of it, of what they are. But when it comes to grinding, it's you know meatloaf and spaghetti sauce and tacos. It's all the stuff that you use. And having young kids, eight and six, like eating is a challenge for them. Period. So anything Absolutely. that we can we can make work for that um, is
2: has been good. Andrew, talk talk about your family's favorite meal from a deer that's the celebration for your family it is i think
0: it's tacos i think probably uh we have to what, listen
2: to the, it's but what kind of tacos the heart tacos
0: oh oh yes yes my so my daughter and she's so proud of this when they ask your favorite food in, in class and she tells people deer heart tacos uh and they all look at her funny um but they do man they eat that up and what was it, Paul? It was after your big, big day. Yeah. And uh, it was funny. We we're like, oh, I got a bag of hearts.
2: It <laughs> like, was a literal bag of hearts.
0: <laughs> it was a bag of hearts. And those kids, man, they eat that up, uh, I, which is great. Great, right? Right on them. And I. It took me a little, a couple of years to eat a heart, but they were, you know,
2: they whatever, just go right with it. So. When I, I gave, I gave, I told Annie she could have my bag of hearts, and she was just like, Mr. Paul, thank you. <laughs> that was like
1: the highlight for her, so. Yeah, it was cool. I love it. I love it. To be that, so you guys do keep heart. That was going to be a, a follow-up question, too. Like, yeah, you guys have now gotten to the point where you're butchering your own animals, Um in your your, uh, garage there, and you're doing the hearts, like, I'm very impressed, Andrew. That's a long ways to be coming in just a short amount of time.
0: haven't jumped into the liver yet. Uh, Maybe someday, right? I'm not even sure I've eaten normal liver, whatever, the old liver and onions platter, but maybe someday. I think uh, this year, I'm curious to your your, uh, idea on this. Historically, I've always ground my meat with pork fat. I don't know why. I must have heard it somewhere along the way. I had a guy last year tell me, he's like, well, he uses beef fat. And he said, why would I mi- mix a white meat with a red meat? You know, you take red meat fat and you mix it with red meat. So it'll taste better. I haven't tried any of it yet, but um, definitely looking forward to that.
1: Yeah. I was. That's It's on the docket for a side-by-side comparison. I myself, same with you, I have gone with pork back fat specifically. Um, I don't go with a pork um, like a pork butt or anything to try and get. I want just just the fat so that I can use lean venison and uh, the pork. Pork is mild as far as flavor goes in the fat profile. So when you cook, when you mix up your 80/20 with your pork, you're gonna be tasting the venison. The venison is going to come out uh, as the stronger note, not the pork. whereas it's the flip on beef you're going to taste the beef. You're going to taste that beefy flavor. And that's going to, I mean, it's going to kind of challenge that venison flavor. It's going to taste more like a normal hamburger because you've got those beef notes from that, whereas you're not going to get that on the pork side. So, no, both work out good. Some people, they j- they can't handle the venison flavor as much, and they enjoy a straight beef hamburger. And so this is one way that they can use their their venison. But I'm with you. I go with the uh, the pork back fat. The back fat is nicer, too, because it really holds things together a little tighter than what the beef is going to do. So you're making your, your meatballs. You're making your meatloaf. It's going to hold tighter. Um, for making sausage, I think it adheres better to the seasoning. I think you're going to get a better hold of that seasoning when it comes to a sausage. So,
0: yeah, I'm well, like, glad I, to hear you're experimenting with that, too. I'll tell you, there is definitely a different consistency to the two fats. And I didn't even think that would be a thing but there was so we'll find out
1: sounds good sounds good so Paul give us a give us an airplane's view of your season and what is a meal that that you would uh, call your celebration meal from this year
2: yeah so I haven't killed a deer since 2000 and I think 18 or 19 I think 18 and Nick I killed three deer in 18 minutes this year on a, on a, on a gun hunt, three, two. Folks. So it was, it was on a wildlife refuge is a lottery hunt, a controlled hunt here in Ohio. It didn't count towards my state total. So if it was Brown, it was down as a population hunt. I killed two bucks, killed a doe, big doe shot a fourth, couldn't find her tractor her all over uh, the wildlife refuge. And then shot at a fifth. I was feeling a little confident and uh, clean miss. So three deer, Andrew and I had to drag three deer out of the woods uh, that day. He, he was, he was with me. So, that was a ton of fun. You can, you know, if if you want, you can listen to that episode where I go into the nitty gritty of that of that hunt. It was pretty neat. But so for me, I had I had really burned myself out on deer hunting, and I just didn't I didn't I didn't like it anymore. And you know, doing this podcast and and, and really becoming friends with Andrew, he kind of ignited that that passion to to get out there and try to deer hunt again. And so I didn't. Um, I, didn't, I don't process my, process my own deer. I'm gonna have to ease myself into that. So, but I love to cook. So, so I did. I had I had them processed, and I mean it was within two days. I had that deer back, and I don't know if that's a good thing, or bad thing. Um, that's just how it worked out. Uh, two or three days, three days max. And so the first, I mean tenderloin. That was you know the backstraps rather. That was the first thing that that, that we did, and I. I have a I have a like a smoker that I use. I've got a gas grill that I use. I love to cook with with live fire, so I I, I use my I use my smoker is is more of like uh, like an Argentinian style like live fire pit more than I use it as an actual smoker. So yeah, uh, yeah that's that, so that's what I did. The the, the back straps those were the first celebration meal. I mean, pretty pretty simple man. A little you know, kosher salt. Let it sit. I I so one of the things that I do if I if I find a bunch of mushrooms I'll eat them until my belly hurts you know in the spring morel mushrooms whatever's left I'll dry them out and then I grind them up and I mix them with peppercorns and so that I have that kind of that woodsy earthy morel flavor throughout the year so just dry them out so that's so that's what I do with with all of my steaks deer or the like uh, kosher salt and then the morel mushroom pepper peppercorn grind so that's what went on those nice, and they good. were yeah, yeah. Oh, man they were fantastic and that that. That was, that was a victory meal right there. So the, the big, the big kind of celebration meal for, for me with, um, every year we host uh, Christmas. And so I, I love, how do I do always say this, the poor people cut a beef, you know? So like London broil, I love them. I mean, if you do that thing, right, it is just uh, a great flavor and same thing. I do it. I do it on open fire And so, so this year we had about 20 people at our house for Christmas. I did like four or five London broils. And then I had this huge backstrap off of this really big doe that I had shot. And same thing. I, I reverse seared everything and there was a ton of the London broil left over. People gobbled up the venison. I mean, I same, you know, prepared them the same way. Nothing crazy. I had a nice chimichurri, homemade chimichurri, uh, sauce there and you know just some really good horseradish sauce and man it was it was a great meal so that made me feel good you know because you know you never know like people that don't hunt like my sister-in-law was like I'm not eating that I'm like you're you're trying that right now and she and she ate it and was like this is amazing I'm like I told you it's, it's 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 good stuff so yeah that was that was kind of the overview but I love love to cook with open fire that's that's my preferred method for for meat
1: Yes. And especially now that, uh, the assault stove is, uh, now under fire, be it the gas, like we got to get back outside, use the gas outside, use the charcoal. If they're going to break <laughs> bust in and try to take our natural gas, we got to be able to handle it and, uh, go with the, uh, the charcoal or the, the, yeah, like you said, full yeah. like down, bake down live fire. Yeah. We've talked to before, uh, we elsewhere. Have. Are you a blender? Chimichurri guy, do you blend yours or do you Don't, go with a no. rough chop?
2: No, I like the rough chop. Now I've I've had both. I was in Bozeman uh, over the over the winter, right before Christmas, and and you know the, everyone says that's kind of like the when you think of good steaks, you know Montana pops into a lot of people's minds. And I went I went to a really nice steakhouse, and they brought me a blended chimichurri with this beautiful steak, and I looked at this, and I'm like, this is a disservice to the steak. Uh, but it was fantastic. It really tasted good. I didn't. I didn't care for the texture. And you know, a lot of people do. Me personally, I like the chunky chimichurri with the little chili peppers. You know, diced up. You know, minced up. I and I, I like. I like a lot of garlic in there. Uh, I'll use red pepper flakes. So I can't. You know, the good coarse kosher salt uh, in there and and good olive oil. But yeah, I, I like it. I like it thick. I like
1: it chunky for sure. Good deal. Good deal. I didn't realize that there was a big, uh, like standoff with that on that methodology, whether it's gets blended yeah. because people are like, no, this should be quick. It's a quick one. And then you have like true, I think it's Argentinians that are like, yes. no, no, you only hand chop it. Um, it's a pro- it is a I, process.
2: I mean, because if you've got if you're serving a large amount of people, I mean, it's like five or six bunches of parsley, and that doesn't sound a lot. But that is an hour of just standing there because I don't like the stems in it, so I got to pull everything off and chop it. It's an it's an ordeal. It yes. really is, but it's totally worth it. Gotcha. I don't even Do know,
0: you know what you guys are talking, talking about, about No, no, <laughs> I I ate a chimichanga once. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs>
2: You've had you've had the chimichurri at my house before, haven't you? The green stuff that that you, you taste it and you just you're like, what is this? I want more of this. That's that's the chimichurri that I make. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. I we we'll have to do it. I'll bring you over. We'll we'll, we'll fire up some some back straps and
1: we'll get after it. So I just eat meat. <laughs> there you go. Just go straight straight meat. Yeah. I did love how you said that uh, you enjoy a harder worked muscle. Um, you mentioned specifically the London broil. Um, a whole methodology too, like I, cause we were, we went out to dinner, um, with my wife and, uh, and friends of ours and, uh, one of them got filet and they were just raving on, it was a piece of beef filet and they were, they were enjoying the steak and they said, Hey, you should try some of this. And so I did try, try one. And it was one of those things, like I haven't had filet in years and to just, To go from when I do cook a beefsteak, it's usually going to be a ribeye. It's usually going to be like a piece of the sirloin or the chuck. Um, It's going to be something that's going to have some work to it, um, more so than the filet. So when I tasted it, I tasted all the seasonings, but I never tasted any of the beef. And like when you said with that London broil, like you want to talk about real flavor of the animal. The further you get away from the head and the hoof, yeah, you're going to add tenderization, but you're gonna lose flavor, and so those harder worked muscles, especially stuff up up front in that uh, that shoulder clod, yeah, you're gonna find that you're gonna really taste that animal because that's the work that's going into it. So I was I was glad to hear that you were saying that you yeah, enjoyed that London Royal.
2: Wow, well, yeah, that's that's my that's without a doubt my favorite cut of beef for sure. And I had to some people that, that like you said that might be a, a crazy statement, but I really enjoy that.
1: You ever cut it up into cube steaks? Do like a Salisbury?
2: You know, I have, yeah. So I, I've done stroganoff with with uh, cubed up London broil. That's that's probably my favorite, um, you know, non-grilled, you know, fire version for that is, is a good homemade beef stroganoff. So
1: real fatty, fatty stroganoff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we've been going on some tangents here, and so what I want to do is kind of stay on that thing and um, – you know, we were talking earlier with Andrew about the uh, the road paved with, with good intentions. Here's some more that I want to add to our, our paved pavement here. What are some things that you've seen and heard and witnessed that you're like, that is something I want to try this year? With a piece of my venison, with a with a turkey that I got earlier, what is something that you're looking forward to trying out and being like, you know what, that's something I want to do?
2: Mine's mine's easy for me. I I want to do a crown roast off of a deer or an elk, something. I love the presentation. I love the idea of you know wrapping those bones in in foil so that you've got just that sizzling crispy piece of meat, and you pull that foil off, and you get this white bone. And the contrast between the two, yeah. I want to I want to live fire just
1: the biggest crown roast that I can get my hands on. Excellent. What. Well- and it, you took it to the butcher, though, and you got back boneless meat.
2: Darn. I did. Yes, I know. I need to. You know, I'll kill three more deer, Nick, and uh, and then you'll have to Facetime me and walk me through how to how to cut up a, a crown roast next
0: year, Paul. Well, next year.
2: Next year. <laughs> yes, hey, next that's the thing.
1: anything you wanted to try that was new, and this is it. So yeah, now yeah, that's the beautiful thing about uh, hunting. There's always next. That's year. it.
0: Yeah. I, I had to. I had to throw that in there, Nick. Yeah, on our show was it this week? He made some comment about shooting deer at night and it was not that he's going to do it but we had to like time out okay just to clarify <laughs> there's no shooting deer at night so just to clarify paul is not going to shoot any deer no. more deer in ohio this year right until we get to next season yeah right?
2: deer season is done here for 20 uh for the for the winter so yes no more killing deer until uh at
1: least september gotcha gotcha well you do i mean if it get, we get another cold snap you know you could always look alongside the road I just had my first I pickup of, like a, of a road that, deer here. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Pennsylvania. Oh, what, what's our Pennsylvania guy's name? I forget his Mitch, name. Mitch. Mitch. Mitch gave me such a hard time and I didn't have my phone with me. I wanted to call up Mitch and be like, Mitch, I'm alongside the road right now, picking up a doe. What, what part do you want to keep? What part do I send to you, man? Yeah. He was giving me such a hard time about that. That's funny. Nice
2: how how was gutting that thing was she was she banged up pretty bad or was it was it okay
1: you know um normally I go with a gutless method um if I don't have a lot of intel uh i approach it with my very like very acute redneck c s i uh mindset you have to establish like okay where did she get hit where did it get hit um what does the gut feel like how long has this been here and if you can start checking off some boxes that things are going in the right direction like that that makes it liable for like okay let's let's gut her up it looks like she broke her neck and uh we're gonna go with a gut job on this i have a kiddie pool that is just for uh this uh this surprise because if i do open it up and it's just a mess i don't want that all over my concrete and my uh My garage so I opened it up and it was real clean nothing had burst but as I was pulling I noticed that there was a larger section there was like a an enhanced uh organ that I didn't wasn't sure what was going on so I, I continued to pull and pull and I found like there's this like sack and this sack had uh fluid all in it I'm like do not pop this I don't know if it's uh the I don't know if it's like full of urine or, or what we're dealing with, so don't mess with this. And as I pulled a little further, a tiny little face went to the side of that uh, that uh, organ there, and it was a uh, it was a baby deer. It was a a fetus that was inside this thing. And I tell you what, you want to take some like a little bit of shock value and a little bit of like stand back and kind of like reestablish yourself as a person like granted i didn't shoot this animal i picked it off side of the road but to find a pregnant doe and have it be that far along like i know i threw the gut uh into the composter just on the top but i took i took the little guy and i actually went off and buried him because i did i was i felt i felt just you know like i I don't know how i felt about it It just kind of kind of shook me there
2: life's fragile man
1: It is. And that was one of the things I, I came across. Life is so fragile and how that little guy didn't even have a chance, but at the same time, how far along that little fetus was and to know that there's possibly hundreds more in the area and to just get to know, like, like it's developing great. I bet you we've got a, we've got a healthy healthy drop of fawns this year just judging by what I saw there. So that was the the takeaway if I were to look at it from a purely analytical, you know, scientific aspect like hey, this was a good window into the development of where where our rut has gone, uh how things are developing along and when when to expect uh fawns. But yeah, man. I it takes a lot to to pull up my my heartstrings, especially when I'm like, Hey, food is, is on the table here. We're talking meat. Like that was a real diverter there looking at that. That was my surprise.
0: I'll tell you, I had a doe that I took this year. And when I, when I was gutting her and everything, I noticed the front kind of brisket area, a little, little watery, you know, Paul, we went through our little talk, kind of like the booby area, but, um, I was hoping that the blood was kind of rushing that that direction. And when I got her home and I started, you know, skinning her and everything, I realized that something really wasn't right there. So kind of like on your what is this organ that's in here type of thing that can really throw you a, a curveball when you're when you're trying to, to gut the deer or, or, you know, break the deer down. And I think what she ended up having was like what they it, hydrocyst or something. It basically was like uh, a lot of fluid in there. It was pretty clear. It wasn't you know, puss yellow or, you know, black or anything like that. So I don't know if she got caught on a, you know, either shot in, in, in the past or whatever, uh, but that definitely threw a screwball in a, in that deer. And I remember, I was think I was texting you about it because I'm like, do I eat this or what do I do with this? And you're like, you need to err on the side of caution. Just let
1: it right. be. So, your nose knows and, uh, yeah, cut away what you can on, on something like that. No, that is, yeah, because these critters go through so much and you, you know, you put a shot on one and, if it hits it up there, yeah, they get this, like a water cyst, like you said. Probably didn't really affect too much, but yeah, erring on the side of caution, especially on the, the eating side of it. Good, good on you for there. But yeah, Andrew, what are you going to try new this year?
0: Well, for me at this point, I'm kind of past stuff that's ground is ground. The roast is the roast. You know, the back straps are all there. Um, I haven't really thought of anything crazy. Paul, I. Your crown roast, is that with the ribs? Yes. Okay. Someday, Nick, I want to figure out how to cook the ribs. I've tried it before with a smoker. Uh, It didn't taste right, (laughs) Uh, so I did something wrong. So I need to, next year, this upcoming season, figure out a way to Figure how to how to cook those. Whether I I don't know. I've talked to people. You first put it in the oven. First you put it in the crock pot. And then you put it in the smoker. And then the grill. Or whatever. I just got to get that figured out, um, because I think once I can figure that out, it would be another. Because ho- that's the one thing when I'm breaking them down, I always feel so wasteful on those ribs. And I know there's something you can do with them, but a lot of times, I'll, you know, when I try to take these doughs early in the year. Uh, it 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 just time is of the essence, and it's like how much freezer space is in there. I need to cut this stuff out. What am I going to do with it? I, it's seventy degrees outside, and I end up throwing it away or feeding it to the dog or whatever. But that would be something to do with with the ribs at some point. Would be ideal.
1: Good, good. Yes, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. That was a cut that I I did. I took as a a personal. Um, I don't want to say vendetta, but like personal, like motivated, yeah, very motivated. True. Like I'm going to figure this one out and yeah where whether it goes into sausage and burger um the way i've what the way i approach the bones is differently than just kind of keeping them in there's a lot of times where i'll do is i'll sheet out uh the whole rack and just leave the meat in one sheet and then i end up rolling that tying that up and then cooking it more or less like a um basically a roll up like you would you'd uh, butterfly out a backstrap and then roll it back up with filling. I do the same thing with a rib, but at this point you add more of a moist heat to it, render out a lot of the the fat that you don't want to have in there, and then come back with a high heat. Um, but yeah, at the same time, to do like a slow braise on the meat with them with the bones in there. And then to go over to a grill, like it is totally possible, but it's going to take some playing. So being able to to get your ribs and then to get them into a spot where you can say, okay, they do have room here in the freezer, give it a shot. Hey, if you mess up, Fido ain't going to care. He's going to be all over those next time as well. So he'll he'll let you try it as long as he gets to taste, you know, the mishaps on the end. Right. Absolutely. Well, good deal. Let me see if I can't, uh, cue up our intro here, but we have come to the crescendo of our show. We have come to this emperor's table where we are going to be doing a potluck with the sportsman's empire.
0: Okay. This is it. Steaks cooked medium rare. Can
2: I get my steak cooked? Yes. That's Want No question. You
1: hungry? Hey, ma! We get some meat, loud. We're and you're
0: Come on, get it!
1: So the scenario is: that was is we are getting together. I didn't hear Did any, any like, of it,
2: oh. so I didn't hear it. I couldn't hear any of it.
1: Oh no, Harry. I couldn't hear
2: any of it. I was just watching your faces <laughs> and and living vicariously through you two.
1: Oh well, good. Well, good. You'll see it on, when it launches. How oh, I that? can't You'll wait. be so super- perfect. So, what we've got the scenario is is that we are having a sportsman's empire potluck. We are getting together, um, and this is all kind of like in uh, the hot, like the uh, the ideal state. We don't actually don't have a date yet set for this, but I am putting together the menu vicariously through you guys. And so, the idea is is when you come to this potluck, you will be bringing a dish that you would want to give uh, the other hosts of that uh, that potluck just the utmost respect for you, culinarily, and also as a hunter. So I want you to be able to display your work there, but at the same time, make it very much about you and who you are. And so what I'm going to do is offer it up to you, and you're going to tell me about a dish that you're going to make or that you're going to bring that's going to represent you at this table. And so, Andrew, uh, the coin flip has gone to you. You've won the coin toss, so you can either start now or you can defer to Paul.
0: I'm going to go ahead and defer.
1: All right. Oh, uh, this, this is, is
0: this is the second half.
2: this is easy. This is easy for me. I am going to bring. A citrus brined smoked wild turkey. That's what I'm going to bring. Ooh. I'm going to spatchcock Ooh. that sucker. I'm going to smoke it with a real, real mellow wood. Nothing crazy. Not over smoke it. No seasoning. No seasoning other than salt and pepper. And then I'm going to baste that sucker with honey and butter for about three hours. That's what I'm going to do. Nice little crisp on the skin. Oh yeah. That's what I'm. That's what I'm going to bring. Starts to crisp up a little bit. Mm. That's it. That's what I'm bringing. Months, what are you bringing?
1: Don't well, say. No, no. We are not, not jumping yet. We've got we've got oh, questions okay. <laughs> here. All, <laughs> All right. right. Bird. Uh it's is this plucked or skinned?
2: Uh I pluck every every turkey that I do that I shoot. I you take do the, pluck? I do. Yeah, I take the time. It's a pain. I like the skin. I like the the added benefit of it. If in you you can skin a turkey. You can skin a wild turkey and still have a moist a moist bird. The one thing that I want to you know to your listeners, do yourself a favor and and, and 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 use the whole turkey. Don't just breast it out like people do. Uh, there is so much good meat. Don't listen to that old adage that the legs are tough. They're you know they're not. No, they're delicious. That's what legs are, and you don't have to throw them in a crock pot for 15 hours, which is like the popular thing. Uh, on social media now You don't have to do it Stop it Brine that sucker Cook it On a smoker Roast it Take the time Don't put it in one of those bags Nick I don't want to see that crap either Just take the time Get you a nice good roasting pan You know Base it every once in a while You're going to have You're going you're, you're gonna to have a treat You're going to have a treat So yes I pluck every bird And I use every Every ounce of it As I can Not for some You know Pseudo-religious reason But because it's good Right It's tasty Don't short Don't short yourself
1: Oh, Paul, I am just, I'm on cloud nine over here. I feel like, let's just wrap it up, folks. Sorry, Andrew, the show's over. We'll talk to you later. No, I'm talking. We won't. But, ah, oh, I just love to hear that you you said that. Like, hey, we want to use as much of this bird as possible. Yeah. I'm going to go to the, the extent of plucking it. Um, and that is, that it is a, it's a tedious job, but at the same time, shoot, how many hours did you just spend hunting that turkey down? Like, yeah. what's one more hour? that you're spending with this beautiful animal that you are now turning turning into food. Yeah. Um, with my farmed-raised turkeys, what I've also find, too, is I'll go, when I put it in the roaster, I'll go actually go breast-side down. So I mm. flip the bird. So I do everything that you would be doing as well. Um, but, yeah, as someone who's looking to, to push themselves culinarily, have you tried... Flipping your bird, putting your your breast side down, it does ruin hmm. your presentation. might I add, you but... skin
2: skin kind of curls up; it's not as as crispy. Correct,
1: correct. Okay, but the added benefit of that is that you do give yourself a little more window room at keeping the uh, the white meat to keep the breast moist. Okay. But At the same time, it puts those thighs that need that little extra heat and a little Mm. extra time it puts them up facing your cooker uh, a little bit closer so then they they finish a little closer together yeah do i still feel that maybe taking that bird and treating white meat dark meat separately is a good thing it is but like we if you're bringing this to to the potluck you want to do the whole presentation thing so yeah one of
2: be something one of the things that I've started doing and and I don't know if this is cheating. I like that idea. I'm definitely gonna try that this year uh, is I've started spatchcocking turkeys for, kind of for that one the presentation if it's I mean it, I think it's stunning. I really do. a spatchcock turkey looks really good. and I like that like you said, the dark meat cooks almost on a more even temp because that's the battle, you know, especially if you're using if you're using fire can you clarify for the idiot on the call what yeah. spatch cocking means? So you cut the spine of a of a bird out. Either a, either a, a turkey or or a chicken. Cut the spine right out. You go to so go to Lowe's months, he gets a ten dollar pair of cobalt scissors, the real big the real big ones are like the size of a football. Cut right through it. Yep. Cut the spine down and, and and you just kinda just lay it flat. Don't throw the spine away. Make a gravy out of that. Boil Amen. It. Amen. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, has I thought to there was something right wrong moment. when you did the
2: timeout. <laughs> yeah,
1: he's like, "Wait a minute, what are we talking about here?" Yeah, yeah. All I know is
0: right now I'm really, I'm really uh, regretting my defer uh, play because <laughs> when my time
2: comes, this is not anywhere gonna be close to what you guys are talking. Oh, uh, it's all good. Just, just say, just say, uh, say polar bear meatballs. That's what you're going to bring. Oh, yeah. You're going to legally right harvest a polar bear. Right up there with deer at
0: night and whatever else we were talking
1: <laughs> about. Night, yeah, You're He's going to harvest a polar bear at night. Well, no, because this is what delicacy. I wanted to do with this. Is, yeah, like, you know what? Paul's coming. He's coming from left field. He's coming from already loving the food world and what the emperor's table is all about is we're coming together as you're not, I mean, we're presenting not only what we've harvested, but a little bit of who we are. And so Andrew, like your chance to highlight a meal that can not only be served to adults, but can be served to kids who love and adore venison. Like what's a dish, like we've already mentioned the heart tacos. So not to say that that's off the table. If you need to throw that on, that is your, uh, that is part of your deferment. You could throw those out and we can talk about those. But the same they time- They were delicious.
2: Like, they yeah. were fantastic. They really, they really were.
1: But I if you're going to so. bring a dish that's like, hey, this represents our household, what's that dish going to be?
0: I think you're overestimating my culinary skills. Uh, so- on our show, right? Paul is kind of the turkey man. My thing is more on on the deer. So I sh- it would be right for me to bring a deer venison-based meal to the table.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: However, I'm going to throw you a curveball.
1: Ooh, I like this.
0: something that we figured out how to do at our house over the last year or two, and Paul's part of this. Oh, I know what he's uh, going to
2: say. Oh, yeah.
0: We went on a couple uh, walleye charters last year. So we brought that back and did a couple of nice big fish fries. And, man, it's hard to beat. And everybody eats it, yeah. and it's good. And with good batter, and don't ask me what kind of batter it is. And when Paul makes the, the um, tartar, tartar sauce. Tartar sauce. Ooh. Ooh, buddy.
2: It's that a good, good, good combo. Stuff. Yeah. That, the, the breading that, that your wife made. Is fantastic. And fantastic and you, you did a really nice job cooking it several times. That's so, yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a good one. That's a good dish right there. And the dog always tries to lick the grease off <laughs> the side of the pot. Every time just I just take it off. The, I just start laughing. Dude, it's just, like, <laughs> just every time we'll we be it. back to do it again. He's going to be back. Yeah. <laughs> he
0: got really sick. He dr- ended up getting into that pot oh, after God. I'd like let it cool afterwards. And uh, he got into. I was like, "No!" and just ended up all over the living room floor. It was gross, but
2: oh, oh God. but the walleye—that's that is a—and and you know, I don't know where whereabouts you are in Michigan, but that is a delicacy of of Midwest proportions, Great Lakes, specifically the ones that don't aren't full of weights and stuff yes. in their bellies. <laughs> uh, yeah, lead free, lead free walleye.
1: Lead-free walleye. <laughs> Absolute. we we'll keep the, yeah, two fillets, not the extras that are shoved down its yeah. throat yeah, as exactly. well.
0: So if I had to bring a venison dish, though, um, and you have to remember, I've been known to cook steak in a skillet uh, because I'm usually just hungry and I just want to eat something. Uh, but when I, we take the time to do it right, uh, my wife will make, um, I think it's like olive oil. I want to say lemon juice. Usually there's some bay leaves in there, probably garlic uh it's this kind of whatever that you put on top mushrooms mushrooms the mushrooms that go on top uh we do the venison out on the grill kick, cook it up to about 129 130 let it rest for a minute it's perfect comes in um she does these little potatoes and like uh, she takes a uh, cupcake sheet and then does these sliced potatoes in there with like parmesan cheese and stuff on top of it it's very good it so is that really would good. probably be my my dish, if I had to pick one of from the venison side, but
1: I love it. I love it. He brought both a fish and a venny to to the the thing. Hey, he's going for the quantity, you know, and just yeah. hoping that the quality is there. I like it, Andrew. Lancy
0: and air, man. You got Lancy and Air out of the two of us. There you
1: go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, gentlemen, here, I'm gonna I'll pass it to let's go with Andrew here. Andrew, where can we hear more about you guys. I know you're on Sportsman's Nation. Uh, excuse me, Sportsman's Empire um, on the O2 podcast. But where can we find you uh, to follow along on the social medias?
0: So our our platform of choice is probably Go Wild, um, and we'll be O2 podcast on there. We do do the Instagram stuff, so it's the dot 0 dot podcast uh, on that, and then. What else, Paul? We got uh, the website is the O2 podcast dot com. So there's some stuff on there. But, uh, you know, between those two things, you can find us. We are on Sportsman's Empire. And so I'm sure if you find Nick's show, you can find us one way or the other. But, yeah.
1: Yeah. What day do you guys launch? Wednesdays. You guys are the, the Wednesdays. Right in the middle of the week. Get yep. you through the hump day. There you go. <laughs> And then Paul your extra curricular is you're also the host of the How to Hunt Turkey podcast that's also on Sportsman's Empire correct It is yeah so the so the How to Hunt Turkey
2: podcast that goes live every Tuesday uh, you can find it the social pages are uh, Go Wild it's just h2 HT How to Hunt Turkeys uh, podcast, and then Instagram, same thing. H two HT podcast uh, is is where you can find that uh, on on Instagram as well. So yeah, cool, 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 cool show. I love doing it. I love talking about wild turkeys. We're going to talk a lot about uh, you know it's 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 obviously it's geared towards people that are are just getting into the pursuit. Or people that have done it, you know, want to want to become better. So we're going to talk about, you know, what to do with a wild turkey after you kill it. You know, how to dress it, how to gut it, clean it, all those things, how to prepare it, uh, you know, for for, the, for you know, the the best way possible. So, yeah, a lot of options for wild turkey. So the other thing uh, is is I want to get you on that show. I want to I want to see I want to see what what culinary tricks you have up your sleeve for 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 the the feathered birds here.
1: So. Well, good, good. I've only grown up with them things in, on the farm side of it. So, hey, I figure it's a it's like translating from French to Spanish. You know, there's going to be some hiccups, but as long as you understand the uh what is it? the tenses, you should yeah. be golden. So, if I got my just tenses now, go ahead and put that we, put that, that well. Just, just, just sweet
0: on papa moose. Just sweet on papa moose. Just sweet on papa moose.
1: Oh, there you go. Now you're actually dropping.
0: Yeah, uh, Love you grandma. Grandma.
1: <laughs> yeah. no Those idea. are the
0: stupid things that I remember from high school. It was like, uh, I am a grapefruit, and uh, raise your head up, Grandma. So there you go. Raise <laughs> <That's laughs> <the stuff laughs> your head up, up,
2: Grandma. Raise your head up. the teacher
0: looking like, oh, I hate you man. guys so much. And here we
1: are. Well, hold on That's just funny. a second, gentlemen. I'm going to send our listeners on out. Folks, I hope you enjoyed our second segment here of the emperor's table where we got a chance to highlight uh the guys that i hang out with from sportsman's empire um we just get a glimpse of who they are as guys and gals and who they are able like what they chase what they're what makes the, them passionate about the outdoors and how they're able to present that at the table so folks if you've enjoyed this episode and you want to join along uh with us creating new and adventurous things make sure that you got uh some of that venison or some of that turkey in your freezer. And whatever you're going to use to cut that, make sure that that knife is sharp.